Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is December 16th. It is a Tuesday morning in L.A., 5.30. It's a Tuesday morning everywhere, but 5.30 in the morning, and here we go. Today's topic about couples that fight. Why is that a good thing? Because we never really think about fighting as a good thing. We have couples who say, oh, we never fight. And they're super proud. Is it Wednesday? Thank you, Liam. It is Wednesday. You're right. Oh, my God. Okay, so we are on Wednesday. Where was I on Tuesday? But, yes, thank you. Relationship Wednesday. That should have been my biggest clue. So it is a Wednesday morning. Sorry about that. So why do couples who fight stay together? And why do sometimes couples who never fight, they say, we never had a fight, we never fight. And other people look at them and go, how do they get away with that? Well, what if they're not confronting things? Or what if everything they disagree on, they decide that they just won't do together? And before you know it, less and less is being done together because they just don't like confrontation or don't like to disagree. And this is not a message you're going to find in February on Valentine's Month that couples that argue together do stay together. And not only that, they're ten times more likely to have a happy relationship than those who put their difficult issues under the carpet. And this was a survey of almost a thousand adults. So why? Well, it is normal because we are already passionate being a relationship. A lot of times, especially those first relationships, when you're living with somebody, you get married or you have children, stuff is going to come up. And it's not about how much you fight. It's how well you're fighting. Now, if you're fighting every day, then you are fighting too much because that's exhausting. And there's other issues that underline that because you might be dealing with one of the partners being narcissistic and needing that energy to feel like they're alive. But in a normal, healthy relationship, it isn't about how much it's about how well you face conflict. Also, the other part of it is the recovery. 
Like after you fight, do you just hold it over their head and shake it on them like a salt shaker every time you get in a new fight? Or do you just actually fight about what you're fighting about? I had a friend named Dr. Fran who's long past now, but she said to me, two unhealthy people can stay together forever and two healthy people can stay together forever. But when you have one and one, it's a super hard calling to keep those two people together because then toxicity enters the relationship and you start having, you know, drawn out fights where one person's kind of past that and they keep going back, keep going back, and the other person will never, ever believe them. And they don't support each other when things go south. They blame each other. And blame is different than disagreements and fighting. And this is true with our kids too. I know it's funny I compare romantic relationships with that of children, but with children, that's our real stuff. We may censor and corner ourselves with our partners because we think, well, they're adults and they can see what we're doing. But the way we act with our children is who we really, really, really are. And the reason that's true is because you feel in charge in your way or the highways how it goes for the most part. And the parents who don't use the highway um, option, their kids end up being more balanced instead of rebellious. Because they know you're working well with them. And as they grow, they see it and there becomes a renewed respect. But the same holds true for couples can fight for each other, fight for the relationship over the argument, even while you're having the argument. Like, hey, I really don't want to hurt our feelings. I really don't want to take away from us. Yep, I don't agree with you at all about this. But we've made it through so many fights already. I personally would even go so far as to not call something a fight anymore. I'd say, hey, we disagree about this because that's really what's happening. But again, we have been taught these, these words with this energy that's just like, eh, like it's, it's just like someone throws up every time you say it. We, we want to push it away, but yet we use it. And it's strong enough to overcome any problems that a couple may face to say, we disagree. And we don't have to be that politically correct. We're going to officially agree to disagree because you have to solve the issue if you're going to live together. We disagree today, but we will stand back look at it again, and revisit this disagreement. Because a lot of times when we are saying the word fight, using the word fight, hurting each other, 
to prove our point, to be right. It actually doesn't feel good for either side, even the side that thinks they're right, any happier than the other side that's being hit with what they've done wrong. Because that imbalance ultimately imbalances the two of you. I wouldn't want to be the one that's right all the time and then the one that isn't right all the time. So how well we argue, changing the word just like problems, changing that word to challenges, and now I don't even use the word problems. I don't say, you know, I have a really big problem. I don't even say that anymore. I've retaught my brain to speak in a language I can work with. We disagree. I don't agree with you politically. Doesn't mean I don't love you, but you have the right to how you feel. I don't agree with you financially on how we spend our money. It's only the first day of the month and we have three Amazon boxes in the trash. Oh my gosh, what's the rest of the month going to look like? Where is our money going and why do we need this stuff? I don't agree with you. But if you can make that happen because it's something you want to do and it doesn't hurt us, As a relationship, that may be a good guideline. And even if you live by yourself, because I know so many people who are, they're older, I will say that, attached to those home shopping shows and they have stuff in boxes in their living room that they've never even opened. And they buy for their grandkids and they're buying for everybody. But that, That feeling of connecting is really what they're looking for. So you might want to say, why do you think? And it's just a question. I always say this, a question for you. You don't have to answer me. Answer yourself. What do you get back from all this stuff? Because at some point, we have to get rid of stuff. Is this something that next year at this time you will get rid of? That's helping each other even when we disagree than fighting over how many boxes end up in the trash from things you've ordered and putting you down for something that you're getting back from this that maybe even you never addressed. That's fighting well arguing well, facing things well. But telling somebody and how stupid they are, that hurts. Telling somebody that they're less than what you thought they were, that hurts. Making sure that someone knows how wrong they are is extremely painful. So we have to acknowledge the fact that we can go back to this fork in the road about what we were taught, what words we were taught to use, and change 
the language we use because behind our language is an energy that starts running the show. Not all unhappy couples who stay together do it for reasons like money or religion or family. But sometimes the reasons that they stay together is that they have a strong commitment to each other. It's strong enough to overcome the problems that they go through. That commitment, when you say, how did someone stay there that long? How did someone stay with someone for 30 years and one really bashed the other good? And the, and the, and the one that is holding it is suffering but just wants to be positive so bad that it's like they're sitting on the world even when they breathe. But because they have a commitment to each other, they don't even think about leaving each other. And even things like horrendous things that may happen to that couple and they come out on the other side. Because they're both unhappy. They get it. They don't know where else they'll fit in the world. In psychology, they may be considered a toxic couple. And if you delve into their life a little more, their friends come and go. They get new friends all the time. It's hard to stick with them over time. Because even though they may have a commitment to each other, other people who aren't committed to them cannot stay because there is not enough love to hold on to. But the people who know how to fight, to argue, to agree, that keeps them together because we thrive when we are learning and as we go from a brand new couple to a couple that gets together to a couple that gets engaged to a couple that gets married to a couple that now has children and purchased a home and we become our parents along the way when we fight with each other We may say some awful things, but when we argue with each other, we understand that we both have different points of view. And the relationship does run the show. I may want something. I may not know why I want it, but if we step back a couple of days later, I'm like, you know, I really don't need everything from this. I just want this part. I just need a couple of hours a day for myself, I found. I don't need to go escape for three days a month. I just need to have more time to myself. When we fight about money, those are the more serious issues that people have because the most number one cause of any divorce, our world, and you guys all know this one, is money problems. It's the number one cause of divorce. 
because both people, if they can't produce enough income or do not know how to balance their income with their lifestyle, it debilitates the couple because now they feel both together as a couple unsuccessful to be able to overcome this obstacle. Like, what's, what's in our combination that's not working? It makes things even more hard on families when they do divorce because now they took their expenses and split them into two households instead of did their best as a couple and did not lose each other in the process. But today's show, the reason I'm even doing it is to stretch our understanding. It's just to stretch our understanding of the words we use with each other and how it affects how we feel about each other, why we feel that way, and what do we really want back. Because ultimately, we want to be loved. We want to be loved. And couples who can argue effectively will have the happiest relationships than those who sweep all of these hard issues under the rug to the point where they have a pile so high that they can't even see each other on the other side of that rug. Because that is what happens. According to a study that was made on marriages, the average marriage, this shocked me, the average marriage lasts 15 years until separation and up to 18 years until divorce. Regardless of how long a couple may stay together, marriage as an institution has fallen out of favor with couples. And the reason that that happened is because divorces are looked at as so nasty that a lot of people made decisions to just live together. Because living together already had that kind of separation of power and finances. Which finances is the biggest reason why marriages were falling apart. And somehow the younger people who were witnessing the older people going through these nasty divorces with lawyers and with all these family members being dismantled and thrown to the corner and people having to take sides and never talking to someone you loved ever again and talking bad about them so that you're not wrong, you're still in the fight of it. They figured out that that does not work well. And it doesn't last. Pressure cooker off of us And let's enjoy our lives together. And if you find, and if they find, when they're younger, that they can agree, they have the same financial personality or at least tolerable of each other's, they would be able 
to run a family well together. They do have a way to disagree. Then they may consider marriage. Because of COVID, but I've been seeing a lot more backyard-type style weddings where you just bring your family and they're not even throwing thousands of dollars on weddings that cost as much as a down payment on a house, if not more. Not that there's a limit on a down payment, but there is a limit on, you know, they want 20% or they want a certain amount to get you in or to get a loan. So we've been observed by the younger generation. They have looked at how we defined loving each other and what that meant, what it meant to be a couple, what it meant to be a family, what it meant to dismantle a family. And a lot of them came from dismantled families, dismantled families. Dismantled too, by the way. Not that that's a word, but that happens. So they want to get in a place where they want to be. A lot of younger people will leave a relationship rather than cheat on a relationship. It's just too hard for their generation to get away with cheating. There's texts, there's phone calls, there's digital, I want to say, footprints that create themselves around any relationships we have, including ones we try to hide. So they don't do that stuff. They, they, if they're somewhere, they want to be there or they don't. And if they don't, they really do just leave. They're much more clear about why they are somewhere. So things are changing from their point of view. But anyone 30 or older already has that input in them of fighting the other person owes you something. They need to listen to you. They need to care about you in the way you want them to, not in the way they know how. And you push them and you pull them and they push you and they pull you and you come to this middle ground that says, hey, you know what? I think we can do this a little better. I'm, I'm exhausted. And we start to change the language because people will say, oh, we fight all the time. And they roll their eyeballs. There was there was one tweet that was written, I don't know, maybe the beginning of December, which started my brain and thinking about fighting couples. And it said, my wife speaks four languages, English, eye rolls, door slams, and sighs. But the beautiful part about it is he can laugh about it. He can laugh about it. We have to be able to laugh at ourselves for the things that we'd normally fight about. Saying things like, can you believe we're fighting about this? Why? And another man making fun of saying things like, not to brag, you know, and this was in the Huffington Post. Not to brag, but my wife says, I have an answer for everything. I'm sure when she said that, she was pretty upset. But it's fun. 
And the other one that I saw, I saw before, which is what attracted me to this article in the early part of December, and it made it to the Huffington Post today. It's fun to make fun of ourselves. Like, can you believe I really didn't know that? Can you believe that I've had a problem with finances all my life instead of trying to defend what I just did? Can you believe I've had a problem with finances all of my life to the point where I'm willing to argue with you over it instead of fix it? Or how about it coming at you from your partner? Honey, I really love you. If we keep spending like this, we're going to be in trouble. And I don't want us to be in trouble. You can respond to that. Because you would say, well, I don't want us to be in trouble either. I realize I may have a problem here. The dopamine effect of when I press buy or purchase. The dopamine effect of knowing something is coming behind my door and it feels like Christmas every day. Wow, I just like that feeling. Can I get that feeling somewhere else? Now you're talking to each other. The way you know you grow and how you disagree will extend itself to everybody. Yesterday I started to tell you about someone who wrote me and told me they were sorry they were writing me and they didn't want to upset me, but everything I heard from Christ is wrong that she saw Christ and he told her to go and read the Bible and that me not seeing his eyes the first time I saw him, meaning he was a false Christ, I guess. So she dismantled, she studied me and dismantled my whole story to tell me why and how it didn't work, but then asked me to ask Christ what he thought about what she wrote me as though, you know, I, I have a phone <laughs> and I can call Christ because usually Christ just shows up. And I was, at first I read it. And my instinct, like my heart started beating fast and I, I wanted to like write back. But I didn't. I didn't. I heard all that stuff years ago. And years ago, I would have written back. But over time, I no longer looked at that as a fight I needed to do. I didn't need to validate or prove. I know what I saw. I know what I heard. I've seen this help all of us in one way or another. Even when we fought it, I still saw it help us. I knew it was more right than I was. And I really thought, I thought, hey, but she felt the need to write me and say, I don't want you to feel bad while she was making me feel bad. So she did want me to feel bad, or at least weird, or at least wrong. but I didn't even need the argument. 
I already knew in my heart what I knew for so long. Then it keeps growing me even till this very minute, even till tomorrow when we talk again. That nothing Christ has said to me from the day I saw him till now ever took away from a soul I ever talked to about it or from me. It has only strengthened me, especially in my times of weakness. That same surety, if we take that to our partners and to our children, will teach them surety and leadership and understanding of when we are right on target. And it also gives us the barometer of when we are not. On that note, we are done for today. I have like 18 seconds left. I will see you tomorrow on Dream Theme Thursday. Thank you, Liam, for telling me it was Wednesday. (laughs) Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.